hey peabody brothers did you guys ever compete in pools against each other as kids just like pick them pools with each other no nothing like that i mean like i was six years older jeff so it was it was a bit of a he was too busy beating me up my sister that was six years older than me would create like stratomatic type games to beat me in she was like the entry point to me learning like sports and things like that but she always she always beat me in them Anyways, the point of this is Were that Splash Sports, who is our sponsor of Bet the Process, uh, have amazing office pool, survivor, pick em type games. And we have our last one and done that's going to go the entire golf season starting. It's the BTP one and done. It's a $25,000 prize uh, or guaranteed prize pool, I should say. And you can get there uh, at splashboards.com slash BTP. And hopefully Rufus will join and remember to enter all of his picks or at least each week. Is that likely? Rufus? And if I don't, if I don't like, cause I've literally forgotten three weeks in a row. So I'm basically, I'm basically just dead money, Jeff. You're dead money. It's, You're dead it's money. Really good for everybody else. Yeah. So anyways, just join that. Check it out. They're a great sponsor. They've been a great sponsor. And we're going to talk a little bit about their the Peabody Brothers Super Bowl experience. We're going to give our thoughts on the game. And with that, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, bet. Bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a out with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom Welcome to a very special episode of the Bet the Process podcast where brothers are reunited or united or, or something knighted like you're you're Southwest. together in, in, in wine, in, you're together in wine country you just did your Thelma and Louise impression and did a road trip from um Las Vegas to Napa and you're gonna have a nice little nice little weekend in Napa so how was the drive it turns out well? it turns out the, the north course is closed though we didn't I know. know this. Yeah, they got that's a real bummer. The North Course is great. The South Course is great too. You'll 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 like that. You're playing it tomorrow, and we'll maybe throw this off yeah, to played, all the played, listeners. We the North Course. You and I did. You and me. Yeah. And Mikhail. Yeah. Oh, now remember? I remember. Sort of that we played. Yeah. So you never played the South. It was course, your, it was, so it was during your fiftieth birthday pre fiftieth birthday festivities. Oh, that's right. That's right. Who and we played with Mikhail, right? Yeah, I think so. I have I have someone ready to host you guys on Thursday for wine tasting if you want. He's a, a driver, but we can talk about that later. So, okay, tell us a little bit about your Super Bowl experience. How first of all, how was your Super Bowl? Uh, it was good overall. We we had an eleven percent return, but it it could have been amazing. Like I think I think there was a chance it could have been a 35 to 40% return, which would have been our biggest event ever. Had had it ended at the two-minute warning. Had it ended at the two-minute warning, basically. Right. Had the Niners run up the clock, kicked the field goal, won the game, it would have been an all-timer. We'd still be on a bender right now. 
Like we probably we, would not be in Napa right now. I'll be honest. We probably would have been like at Disney World. Yeah. You know the the Niners should have done that, right? I mean, they were in a great position to do it. They were second and four, and because Kyle refuses to coach, and it, like he's obviously one of the best play callers in the business, game planners, all that kind of stuff. But his game management. And I know, Rufus, that you think we make too big a deal out of this, but it continues to be the thing that perplexes me. If, you know, I, I know that the, the the play that really probably, I mean, obviously the muff punt changed the game, but the play that probably I think was the most critical play in that whole series was the great play that McDuffie made to basically, you know, not fall for the play action and stay with Kittle and tackle Kittle on that play because I do think that was probably a really good play call because that probably does, you know, go for 10, 15 yards in almost every circumstance, except for a really, really good play by that D back. And, but I think the thing that is interesting, right. And this is obviously hindsight bias is if you fundamentally believe that that's the game there, you're second and four with McCaffrey in your offensive line. And you just say, I'm going to run three times and I'm going to be able to get four yards. And if, and, and, you know, if, if I have to convert a third, that's okay. And if I have to convert a fourth, that's probably okay, okay. because basically I'm going to use all the clock. And so, but he refuses to coach that way. He refuses to think that way. And it, it drives me crazy because ultimately, what did you guys think about the decision to take the ball at the beginning of overtime? I thought that was I thought that was probably the right decision, but I don't know for sure. And I think that I've seen points are I heard people I've respected basically have said, if you think this is a clear cut decision, then you're probably wrong. Like it's it's the analytics people think it's pretty close. I think you can decision tree it and have it be pretty interesting because if let's just think about the differences from regular overtime, Jeff, right? Regular overtime, the the old there's only one difference. If you score a touchdown, then they get the ball back, right? I would say it is actually a clear-cut decision. And I didn't think that until – and here's – let me explain to you why. Until the Chiefs said they would go for two if they – right? Like, if if the Niners well, – But that's the whole point. Say, but, is, but, but the, the whole point is but, you have – You're forgetting about the, way the that, punt, punt situation or the field goal field goal situation. Those are much more likely than touchdown to touchdown. Like punt punt is the most likely scenario. I don't think it has to do, I think it has to do with how much more optimally you can play and you can, like, we know that in football, knowledge of what you need makes teams play much more optimally and knowledge and in, 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 especially with these two play callers or these two game managers, uncertainty makes you play incredibly unoptimally, meaning like, Andy Reid will play conservatively if he is tied or winning, but he will play very, very optimally if he's losing and he knows that he needs to score. Right. And ultimately the, the idea, and, and maybe, you know, what I'm saying is that that second possession has so much knowledge of what they need, you know, like, like you just said, what about punt punt? Well, punt punt, it's a great situation to have gone second because you had the chance to score, right? Like it doesn't start with yeah, punt, but punt. But wait, it starts wait, wait. punt. Right. But you're, but then you're in the same situation as the, 
team that got the ball first, right? Like, like you don't know. No, you, you're not. You have the same knowledge of what you need to do that the team that got the ball first did in essence, right? Like actually you have more knowledge, I guess that, that if you punt, if you score, you win. But the point is, if you don't score, the other team comes down and scores, they win. Like that's the same thing. So you're not going to, you have the same, it's the same level of third and fourth down aggression. I think that again, if you go back to the idea of the NFL being, you know, the, the fourth down decision-making being so critical in certain situations like this, you know, I, I do think that there is a, a real advantage to going second in, in this environment where the two coaches are very, very different in terms of what, how they play call in different game states. I mean, I just think that it's kind of feels like heresy to like, to say with conviction one way or the other, without having actually run the numbers myself here, especially on something that the analytics people that I respect and trust think it's pretty close, a lot closer to 50, 50. So that that's my, well, so my perspective. I, I don't, again, like I, I don't know if it's something that is an analytics thing, because I think this is, this is where you have to understand the difference in, how teams, you know, ultimately run plays or call plays and make decisions in different game states, which I think is really hard to model perfectly. Isn't that what is modeled? Like when you model a team, I mean, you model a team down one point with two minutes to go in the fourth quarter, obviously you're not going to be modeling it based on teams that are tied at that point, right? Like you're going to be modeling I mean, just that think about the way that, that I, that's my I, point. Just, like just that, think about that, the that way that stuff played out, right? Factored in if, the model. It's you're like one of those analytics people being like, like Nick Saban being like, well, you know what people, what, what they don't model is, is, you know, if you don't get it, uh, the field position part or whatever he said, like it's, you remember that? You remember that Tom? Nick, Nick Saban was kind of railing against the fourth down at analytics people. Um, being like, well, they're not accounting for this, which it's like which obviously they're right. accounting for it. So I, I I guess what I'm getting at, Jeff, is like if your point is that Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid are so much more suboptimal than average coaches when they're not in sort of desperation mode, um, that's if that's your point, then I guess Well, I don't I, even I don't I even know if it's like Shanahan I mean, I think Shanahan would, when it's, so when it's desperation mode, they don't have a choice, right? Right. Like you, you, you go for it on fourth down. You're not, not going for it. Right. Right. But and my so, point is, so that like, isn't, that is, that is an extreme case, right? So, now so the your question point is, is that he's just so much more conservative than he should be normally. I think in a more in than a neutral an average game code. state, I, I think, yes, I think Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan for how good of play callers they are and how great coaches they are, are incredibly conservative when it comes to the decisions that would ultimately drive field goal versus touchdown. And, you know, again, if you, if you go back to the, the, this is again, an N of one and Rufus, I, I agree with you. It's probably not like, if you run the analytics, it's, it's the, I, I know you're right. Like it's probably closer to 50, 50 than, than anything, but, what I when you know you go back to the sample size of one. I mean the 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 Chiefs never would have gone for it on fourth and half a yard on their own thirty 
if they were if it was the beginning of overtime and it was their first possession, they wouldn't have done that, right? They they would have kicked. True. Like they would have punted because they just couldn't. They wouldn't have been able to do that. anyway. So okay, um, wait, wait, can we talk and, about the the Andy Reid at the end of regulation too, with six seconds, not trusting the best quarterback in the game to like be able to have a play that like with a timeout, have a play that takes less than six seconds. Yeah, I thought that was coaching malpractice, to be honest. Like you have a chance, a three second, four second play to win the Super Bowl. You got the best quarterback in the game. Like take a shot. He's not going to take a sack. He's not going to throw a pick there. And he can still take a sack. Yeah. Like as long as he just doesn't extend the play, it's fine. Like there are not regular plays that last six seconds unless there's like down way downfield throws. And the play before was a shot to the end zone that took three seconds. I thought that and Shanahan not basically playing for that last drive to be the game and going for it on fourth down were both pretty bad. Like on the national stage to have both coaches essentially playing to not lose. The problem, again, if you go back to the idea, the problem with these coaches like a Shanahan and, and like we had Kevin, when we had Kevin Kelly on, I thought one of the most insightful things is if you coach, if you know you're going to go for it on fourth down, you run something different Definitely on third, third down, down, right? And, you know, especially when Spagnola, you know, all, we, we knew, we talked about going into that game, the key was going to be like early down success for the Niners and not getting in a third down and, and distance. And they had a situation where they were third and five. We know that's not a great situation for them. Third and so, four. You know, what's that? Third and four. Was it four or five? Because I thought Kittle might have lost a yard on that play. Or did he, I don't it know. Was, did he get zero, zero? So anyways, third and four. I don't even remember that play, to be honest. The second down play you're talking oh, it was, about. It was, it was. So on the first play of that drive, McCaffrey got six yards. And yeah. then they ran a bootleg, basically a bootleg, you know, option route to that Kittle was what should have been wide open on but McDuffie saw it broke back and covered Kittle like you don't you don't see that and that was a great play by him any other and I I think obviously the the thing that drove me crazy too was Shanahan not calling timeouts at the end of the first half and not at least trying to give Purdy because he probably could have got Purdy a minute to potentially get a possession at the end and then and then for whatever reason he did try to run some stuff versus taking a knee. It's just, it's just so weird the way that these guys think. And especially since they're like such great coaches, like obviously know a lot more about football than I ever do. But then these obvious things to me, just, they, they, they make me crazy. Cause I was, I mean, I, I was just holding a Niners futures bet. So that's, that's really all, <laughs> you know, that that's probably why I was so concerned about this. Um, we, we had some, any we other, had some... any other thoughts from that game? We had some chiefs, well, we had a lot of Chiefs plus three minus one twelve. We were able to get, which was nice. But I would How'd have traded you get that. All... Um, where do we get that? Exchange. Ten... Yeah, that might have been exchange. But I mean, it's a great price. Yeah, like we didn't have an Obviously. opinion on the game. Like, I mean, you know, I leaned San Francisco on my numbers, but like, I, I would take an off number in either direction there. Yeah, but yeah, you said I'm... that you said the only way you'd be on on a side in the game is if if you found an off number, off market yep. number. So that makes so sense. we did. But I would have traded the fifty thousand dollar bet or the fifty thousand dollar loss in the Chiefs bet for the uh, no overtime for the no overtime in a heartbeat. Yeah, we lost we lost a bunch of overtime. The the nice thing was we Purdy kneeling to end regulation took him under. That, that was the one good thing. It was actually a yeah. Good he went from thirteen to twelve. Yeah, that was rushing yards. Good. But yeah, we lost a bunch hmm. of. Them. 
I mean, we were all afraid overtime was just going to go forever. With the new rules, we were like, all right, they're just going to go back and forth, scoring, scoring. We're going to lose every player over. Like, we lost uh, Mahomes under one and a half touchdowns plus point forty on that final play. But, like, we would have, if Pacheco had scored a rushing touchdown, we would have lost our no rushing touchdown in the game at plus whatever it was. And, and Chiefs, no rushing touchdown. Like, there wasn't a rushing touchdown the whole game, which is kind of insane. But given the fact that what – you had the Niners that were Niners were like you could get you could and we did get plus two fifty on the Niners to not have a rushing touchdown themselves. So it was kind of like we were going to get snookered one way or another there, and we just wanted to get the snookering over with and just get the game to be to to be done. Is this like I kind of feel like the Chiefs really now it feels like the Patriots. It's like the same they win the same way the Patriots did. They kind of just hang around and you just don't want to be in a situation where at the end and then when it when it they need to score and then then other teams just do incredibly stupid things against them right that just like you know like that muff punt and the obviously McCaffrey's early fumble all that kind of they just like it's just it's just crazy how and I, I just I just see it now like I'm like man I, I understand now why everyone hated the Patriots so much because it's kind of like not fun to see the see the Chiefs all the time yeah, Travis it feels like Kelsey they get like and... they get like one to two extra chances that other teams don't get, which is just very frustrating. You know, yeah. where, where teams do something dumb. Yeah. Jeff, what was your Super Bowl watching experience like? Where were you? I was at like a neighbor's party and it there just wasn't enough focus on the game, to be honest. And I I actually had to leave when the Niners kicked that field goal with two minutes, whatever, less, a little less than two minutes left to go. I actually had to go to the airport to drive, to, to go to LA to play in my, my pro-am the next day. I, I don't know if I mentioned to you, I played in the Sega Genesis. No, just the Genesis pro-am <laughs> with the Sonic the Hedgehog. You said you were paired with Sonic. That's impressive. Remember when you asked me what the over-under on the, the golf rating, overall golf ranking for my pro would be? Yeah, you couldn't have set that over high. Enough. Wait, did you get Chase Johnson? I bet. I bet if I tell you the pro I played with, you will not even know who he is. Who is he? His name is Keith Green. Who's that? I don't know. And he's in a a a, a seventy man field. He's playing. No, but he's not. So like the Monday oh. pro am is different than the Wednesday Pro-Am, right? The Monday Pro-Am is, he is a just club basically... Pro? What's that? He's a club pro or something? No, he's a pro. He, he played in the uh, Brookline U.S. Open. and He's just a professional. You know, he's, still, he's, he's still running around playing like mini tour events and things like that. Like he's um, so one how, of the guys in my group who was not a... What's that? How did well, he because, get to play? So like, I think what happened was, is... was he more impressed to be playing with you than you were to be playing with him? He was a very nice guy. We should not disparage poor Keith. Uh, but I, I it was it was really fun because you got to play Riviera essentially with the course, the conditions of what the tournament's gonna be. And it was it was incredible. I mean, the the I've never seen a golf course that green and that perfect and that pristine and walking on the greens was it was it was an experience that i i mean i just 
I didn't even know what I was walking on. The greens were obviously incredibly fast. And, uh, you know, it was a beautiful day and all of the real like pros were all there hanging out. Like I got to watch Scheffler being taught how to putt by that dude that he's working with now. And it doesn't seem like that's going to work out particularly well. So it seems like Scheffler might be a guy that you guys, even though he's such a great ball striker, but his putting, I don't think is going to improve. I got some like inside information that he's, he's, he's not been, that this coach has not been a particularly has not had a very good track record and somehow continues to work with PGA pros, uh, PGAs, not my PGA pro, but PGA players. Can you tell me who else he works with? What's that? Who He's else worked he work with Rory and he worked with Rory in the past when Rory struggled. I think he was working with Rory. So um, well, maybe maybe what his skill is is that he like sets up the next coach really well. Like like he sets this sort of base. Where he breaks them down for someone else to build them up. Could it's be sort of like after it's sort of like after Rufus dates someone, you know. It just really <laughs> the next person is so set up for success. <laughs> I'm just kidding. that it's true. Although, yeah, that's that's pretty funny. Jeff, can you tell us um, uh can you tell us at all about playing on Kikuya grass? How was that? Did you duff some chips? It just fuck it just grabs your club. I mean, it really does. I mean, I it's yeah, you know, I'm not the right person to ask any of this stuff with because you know, I think the fairway grabs my club sometimes, but um, you know, the 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 like the guys the guys i played with so i actually played with someone who's one of the seven he's someone that he's met you before rufus he said um oh yeah what's the, his name the, the his name is justin tupper do you remember meeting him the name rings a bell oh. okay he uh he is a very good golfer and they um they work for NBC. And so they were hosting me and, and a guy by the name of Jeremy Hanline and Jeremy was like, they both were very good golfers. Jeremy, I think had three or four birdies and he hit a drive. I think about three fifty. he was like one seventy out on a par five. So, um, you know, he's, he, he was very good. He, he, uh, they both were very good. They're both Did he- like low, single digits and have been probably scratch or pluses before in their lives. But, um, did they beat Keith? Yeah. The, the grass, they don't, do they have that at any of their courses? We were trying to figure that out. I don't think so. If so, it's like one other and I can never remember. Cause I get Kikuya and Zoysia confused. Those are the weird ones. Um, but no, I don't think so. I think it might just be Riz. Does there, is there any history on why they do that? No clue. Um, I don't know. Yeah, no, no clue. <laughs> Got Wish it. I had a better answer. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on the Genesis? Are there you guys think that there's who who do you guys like in that? I'm gonna be honest. I ran numbers, but I haven't thought about it at all. Like the sort of post Super Bowl thing is. I mean, there's a lot to do logistically on a Monday after the Super Bowl. We ha- especially since so we're tell, out tell of us town about Tuesday. tell us about what that looked like. What do you what do you do? You run around and you cash tickets, cash tickets and I mean give us a give us a little glimpse of like what happened leading up to the Super Bowl and 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 all of that. Um yeah, I mean we Rufus got out to Vegas early and he went to like the Westgate opening. I was there through, I was there 
two and a half weeks before the Super Bowl. And then wait, I went to the Westgate opening prop night and bet four props, and, and I bet one of, one of them the wrong, the wrong ones. Yeah, I, I bet the wrong accidentally, uh, bet the wrong way, Which and over, it actually one. did win though. But anyway, so Rufus got out there to bet the wrong side on some stuff for us a couple weeks. And You're just trying to dummy. You us. were trying to dummy the market, right? Yeah, he, I don't know if he was trying to, but he did effectively. I mean, he is a dummy. <laughs> Uh, but then the rest of us got out there like, uh, uh, I don't know, Wednesday, Thursday. And, and I mean, every year it feels like we're waiting longer and longer for the, for, you know, the, the numbers to get as high as we want them to get. And so um, it was pretty late in general. Like, I think we really bet the majority kind of Saturday night into Sunday. And then it was just a mad dash on Sunday around Vegas and kind of on the apps. And so, yeah, it was, it was kind of like, that kind of eight hour sprint almost. Yeah. I'll say, I, th I think that I, I don't think it was as good as we'd hoped to be in terms of, I think we thought that the Super Bowl in Vegas would result in a lot more square action and prices being a lot better in Vegas than they were at the other national books. Cause in general, being in Vegas on Super Bowl Sunday, you are getting better prices than you, than you're getting on DraftKings on FanDuel. Um, on the, the national books, I guess, because you're only getting action this one place in these places uh, in Vegas or in Nevada, I guess. And these books are moving on action. So places like the South Point, Westgate, Circa, um, you used to have last year, you had Caesars, William Hill, Nevada, which was its own separate book from the national Caesars. This year, unfortunately, two weeks before the Super Bowl, they became part of the Caesars app. And so they were the same line set as nationwide. And, and last year, I mean, like there, I mean, there have been some amazing opportunities in Vegas over the years, Jeff. Like there were, if we rewind, let's say, let's say rewind 10 years. I remember betting no defensive special teams touchdown minus 110 before the Super Bowl. Not a joke. You know, first score touchdown minus 110. I mean, no safety was what minus eight hundred. Now it's minus. Oh, no safety. We got no safety minus five fifty one yeah. year. Um, that's because there were three safeties in a four year span in the Super Bowl, and so I, I do think that we're gonna have to reevaluate a little bit. Like we did not win the openers this year because we didn't really participate in that challenge of trying to get the openers. And I said that a large part of it is I didn't think it was worth the time investment, just given how much we're betting on other stuff. And I still think that's true, but I think that um, it still does suck to see other people get the, get like get the juicy stuff. You know, it's there is that. But Rufus, how how do you feel like it's a, it's smart for you to continue to try to bet Super Bowl props when you don't do it all year, and there's other people out there that are basically you would think they're getting better than you because they've been doing it all year. Probably, but I already have a lot of stuff built out, infrastructure for things. So I already have, basically, I don't have to do anything for any of the game props. Like if I have a touchdown number and a field goal number for teams, like, and, you know, knowing the spread and the total, I can, a lot of stuff can auto-populate. And so, and there are opportunities there, Jeff. And I say, correct me if I'm wrong, Rubis, but like, We've done well. Yeah, and and it's like if there are people that are, and I'm sure there are, like there's still plenty out there 
that is pretty soft that we can, you know, return pretty decently. But I mean, it is not nearly as soft as it used to be. And especially on Sunday, like I thought that I thought we'd have a lot better opportunities. I thought we'd be betting a lot of Kelsey unders. That number basically stayed at 71 and a half. I think stations had a under 71 and a half plus 110. That's maybe the best I saw. McCaffrey, I thought that would get in the upper 90s. I bet one like under 91 and a half minus 110. I think I made the true price minus 125. But aside from that, like, no. And then McCaffrey, no touchdown. I'd bet that it's circa for the uh, NFC Championship game at plus 240. And I'd bet no McCaffrey, like McCaffrey, no two plus touchdowns at minus 190. And for the Super Bowl, it was plus 200. And for the two plus touchdowns, it's minus 240. And I actually made his touchdown number, yes, minus 194. So I didn't bet that. Like we had no bets on McCaffrey, no touchdown. We did have bets on San Francisco, no rushing touchdown, but we, you know, and I'm glad, I guess, I mean, given that he did score a touchdown that we didn't have that, but like, I, I would have expected that we would have gotten like Kelsey, no touchdown at much better prices and that we would have been betting McCaffrey, no touchdown. And so and instead we had McCaffrey first touchdown actually, which was nice that actually, player. that is true. We, we did bet McCaffrey first touchdown at plus 450. I do think one thing is the fact that, with legalization nationwide, you do, it's a lot, and Zach White pointed this out, it's a lot easier to just like scalp an ARB stuff just from your couch. It makes it easy for anybody to do it. And so it does make the market more efficient. And it means there's fewer rogue numbers, which is obviously worse for us. We we talked to Adam market. Levitan and he, he kind of gave us this glimpse that like there is, there is more, you know, like sharp, like there's more opportunities. It's more even now. It's not just taking unders anymore. And that was kind of the glimpse of the fact that maybe the, the market is becoming a little bit I mean, more we, efficient. Like we were still, I mean, we had a lot of game prop, prop type stuff too, but player stuff. But we're still in terms of player stuff, way over 75%. Oh yeah. Easy. And, and I think most of the overs we had were stuff like Justin Watson first reception over, right? Joan Jennings first reception. Hit a longest over. reception. Over. Yeah. Like things like that, that are rather than like overall game stuff over, it feels like it's like mispriced player derivatives. Yeah. But I think the other thing that was unique about this Super Bowl is, especially with San Francisco, you had a few really, really injury prone players. Like, and I, I, literally modeled Debo Samuel's props, giving him a 15% chance of injury. And what do you know? He like pulls his hamstring without just on a play without being contacted. Like that guy just is perennially hurt. And so I think being able to price that, and like we probably would have been on these Juwan Jennings unders, except for the fact that I priced in certain probabilities, like a prob like a decent probability of, of Debo getting hurt, which meant that Jawan like had a lot more upside. And you saw in the second half he kind of came alive and had those three catches. Yeah. Unfortunately, the first the one was the first game. one was not over <laughs> five and a half, though. It was negative three yards. He caught an eight yard pass and got a negative five yard. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. It was a, it was an odd, it was an odd play for sure. All right. Anything but else on the Super Bowl? I will, I will say, yeah, I will say that 
I mean, for me, the Super Bowl is, it's like the new year in a way. It's like the end of the year. I mean, it's the end of the football season and it's kind of, there's, I've been betting Super Bowls since, I guess my first one was 2009. And my first one with the the betting group was 2010. So it's been, it's, what, it's my like 16th Super Bowl or something like that. But afterwards, I kind of always take some sort of trip. Um, but so it is kind of like a, a reflective time. I feel like it can be kind of a little bit emotional in that way. And he cried the whole way here. Just kidding. <laughs> but it was but interesting. Like interesting, I was like, though, wait, because wait, 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 let me finish Jeff that like, I was watching it with people I've known since basically since 2009, um, two of the guys that used to be runners for our group, like Zach train, my brother, um, some friends of mine from Vegas that were not on a betting group, but I've known for a long time, like such as like Aaron Kessler, who used to uh, run the Golden Nugget Sportsbooks. Now he's at Prize Picks, and so it was really. I mean, I'm with all these people I've known for a long time, and what was what was really fun, and like we had a lot of us had a big sweat on on one particular bet that that ended up unfortunately losing on the on the last drive of regulation. Um, that would have made it a really big Super Bowl for us. But going through it with all those guys was a lot of fun and and just seeing where they all are in their lives. And it felt like this year, I would say four or five of the guys have made like major positive changes in their lives in the last year, like from a like health perspective and sort of like lifestyle growth. And it's just kind of, I don't know, we're like all on this journey in life together and just seeing how how we've all changed over the years and are, are continuing to evolve was, I don't know, just, I'm not describing this well, but like, it was really meaningful for me. Rufus, I think everyone that knows you understands what you're getting at, but also Thanks. understands that you're really bad at describing things like this. I mean, it's, it's hard to describe like Feeling emotions feelings. and feelings. This is the Paul Rudd thing. Like when Paul Rudd's teaching, teaching, uh, what's his name? to surf and forgetting Sarah Marshall when he just looks at it. Do less. Do less. But you got to do something. Rufus, say less. You know, when he moved to, like, he doesn't wear a watch anymore. Yeah. Um, I was only going to say something. I have an iPhone. I was was only saying this to you because I was curious because I feel like this was an interesting NFL year for you because you didn't bet very much NFL. And generally, like, college and football has become a much smaller part of your life from a professional standpoint where other things like college basketball and golf have become really more the things and but whatever for whatever reason we all will always gravitate towards football in the nfl and, and even just to the point of what i said like you're not even really betting props and then for the super bowl you pull out of the stop. So it's, it's, well, I feel um, like I have to, it's like what people it's, it's what people know me for. Otherwise you won't get on CBS. Exactly. News. Like CBS evening news gonna... doesn't approach me for, for golf betting stories. Not yet. At least. I mean, Howard Stern doesn't call about golf, although I hope he will. How did that, how did that Howard, Howard Stern if you're listening, What's up? it wasn't with Howard, it, um, but I actually didn't, I don't know. I didn't follow up on it to see how it actually sounded. We don't even know if they aired it. They might not have. And I didn't. Yeah. All right. Should we, do we want to it talk is... about your, your trip or do we, we want to talk about the Genesis or do we want to just let everyone go to bed? 
<laughs> Can I say one more thing on the subject though? And of, of sort of the reflectiveness and all that stuff. Tom, Tom is giving me that look, but, and I know Jeff is mentally giving me that same look, but I thought, so we, we had this moment where we had a, a, a swing that was maybe it was like a $400,000 swing. And there's a video on Twitter that my friend Steve recorded. I don't know why he was recording. Cause it wasn't like it was a big a play where we knew anything, like something big was going to happen. Unless we were just watching that. We knew. Oh my God. It, he, he saw the script before the game. This is this is what happens when the Super Bowl's in Vegas and you have friends that live in Vegas. But he was recording. He probably was recording the, a, a lot of plays, but just had case. that particular play. And and you see our reaction. You see me put my like, I, I I didn't think I reacted that much, but seeing the video, I'm like, oh yeah, I put my hands to my head and like fell down on the floor. But the funny thing is, like, after that, I didn't. I felt a slight disappointment, but it didn't, I didn't really feel very disappointed. It was like, I wanted that to happen, but I didn't want that thing to happen. And it did, but okay, next. And the, when the Orioles made the playoffs and Tom and I went to both the home playoff games, the Orioles went down two nothing to the Rangers and then and ended up getting swept. Like the Orioles got blown out in both those games kind of. Um, but I didn't really feel disappointment. I kind of felt this like just gratitude and appreciation for the journey they'd given me. And I kind of felt in a way watching the Super Bowl with those guys, I kind of felt the same way. I was like, you know what? It's not like, I mean, I, th I feel like Tom kind of had. I mean, Tommy, Tom, Jeff, I'll never financially recover no. from that. I had already bought the Tesla. I can't pay it off. I'm actually in, in a real, real problem with some loan sharks. I, I want to say though, I'm that I'm really impressed with Tom. Like Tom, this is his fourth year doing this and like it's taken me a lot longer to get to the point where I am than, and I feel like he's, like he, he's way further in, in four years than I was like in ten years of that, in that regard in terms of like how oh. to handle all that stuff. So, but I, I do yeah, think I mean, I'm, I... but but my point is I feel like I'm, like stepping back away from betting too. I feel like I'm, I've like I've started really enjoying the process more of these of of life, I guess, and just realizing that like. I mean, I've always known that's what's important, but but I've I've I'm, it feels like I'm actually I've trained myself or somehow to actually experience. Wait, would you say you're a process or outcome guy by any chance, Ruse? Unless the outcome's good. I don't know what to do with both your facial hair is really the main issue. We probably need you guys to take a selfie and then put it up next to this if we don't use the video. It's not. Good. All right, um, Rufus. I think the listeners right understand that you're working. very you know, reflective right now, you're pensive, all that kind of stuff. Like I get it. Um, I'm pensive. Okay. Not thoughtful. You're, you're, you're just, you're just thinking, what's pensive's not bad. You're thinking. Yeah, no, that was the right you know, word. You're thinking about No, I, I think That's these times in life, like the end of, it's like the end of the season. It's like the new year for me. I think it causes, it's a time of reflection. Sure. Okay. So you guys are going to be in Napa. You're going to do some wine tasting. We're going to try to tee it up one day. If any listener out there wants to host us in the greater Bay Area on Friday afternoon for some golf, we'd probably be up for that. That's, or Thursday that's afternoon too. It out to the, what's that? I said, or Thursday afternoon too. <laughs> well, Thursday afternoon, aren't you guys going to go wine? Thursday, I thought the plan might be to oh, go yeah. wine tasting. So. Okay, just so kidding. That, that, that's kind of what I think. And then, and then Rufus is probably going to hang out in the greater Bay Area or California for a while. 
um, until the, yeah. until we kick them out. Um, I think I might go to like the spiritual retreat center or or and or go skiing in Tahoe. I like drove out here just to kind of. I'm just gonna bum around for a little while, Jeff. Also, if any listeners, if any listeners have places to stay, he's just gonna do a couch tour, a listener couch tour. Love that. I love the listener serious. couch tour. Um, okay, and then um, this if, is if the last episode that we have. That's, I'm open to it. We have this last episode that we have that's sponsored by Splash Sports, who's been a great sponsor. We have just a reminder, uh, a new one and done starting for the Genesis. That is a huge overlay right now. It has $25,000 in guaranteed prizing. So sign up for that. It's the BTP. It's at splashsports.com slash BTP. Um, boys, it's great to see you and your facial hair. And uh, hopefully I will get to see you guys in a couple days. But thanks for joining us. We're probably going to be dark next week and then we'll be back in two weeks and we're going to start a new series, Rufus. I haven't pitched this to you, but I think oh. we're going to do a series style podcast, a series of podcasts about a true crime story of a professional better. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to do a new content series that I want to call Seeking Alpha, which is essentially Isn't like- Is that a website, how... Jeff? I think that's trademarked. I think there's a website called Seeking Alpha. No, it's called Farmers We'll only. spell Seeking incorrectly. <laughs> we'll spell it S-E-A-K-I-N-G. Like, it's fine. But the whole point of it is- Wait, the Seeking. A series of people that we find that have, how do you find alpha in now what are becoming more efficient markets? And we can find, we can do it in people that do it in poker, people that do it in sports betting, people that do it in the market, et cetera. Well, I mean- You don't like it? No, I mean, people that, that are imposters like myself. No, you are a classic example. And then like people that go oh, and, and they try you, to create their did own you not data, read like David Ted Hill's article. No. What? What happened to David Hills? Wait, you didn't, you didn't read the Sean Perry article. Oh my goodness, Jeff. Oh, I haven't read it. I saw someone you post not on read it. Like it is, it is maybe the most entertaining thing I've read in the it last 12 treat. months. It's a treat. It is. Okay. I will read it. If you imagine it, this guy speaking in a Donald Trump voice, it makes so much more sense too. Okay. It's a great, it, it's a Don't. fantastic read. All right. I will read it. Everyone, David Hill's great too. He's the guy that wrote about you, right? He made you sound interesting or he did. He wrote he about a, a lot of people. You, right? Well, he did. Yeah. He podcasted. He's, he's incredible guy. He followed you around for your prop betting. Yeah. That should be a like book. a, that, you should, that should like, be a BTP I, prize. By the way, I want to, I want to plug his book. With you. I read his book about, about Hot Springs, Arkansas, which is where he's from. Um, and I never knew the story of that, that it was like Vegas before Vegas. And, and honestly, like I learned the origination of the Wire Act from that book, Mob and all that. It's it, it's a fantastic read, by the way. All right. Well, everyone, we will talk to you guys I, all again uh, in two weeks. Maybe I should actually plug remember the name to of the go book, to yeah. Remember to go to splashports.com slash BTP. Talk to you guys all again next in two weeks. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. As I mentioned, this episode was brought to you by Splash Sports. You must be 21 years of age or older in Massachusetts, Iowa, Arizona, and Louisiana. 19 years of age or older in Alabama or 18 years of age of older in other states to enter into a paid fantasy contest. Yeah, Sam Hahn, Rappin' Rockers, Jeff Ma, 
bulletproof is Peabody. Crunching all the numbers. Massive Peabody rankings. We're looking for the edge. Analytically driven. Crunching all the numbers. 